Welcome to the Polygamer Podcast, where gaming is for everyone. Join us as we expand the boundaries of the gaming community. Hello, I'm your host, Ken Gagney, and welcome to this week's Polygamer. I hope everybody is having a lovely autumn. As I mentioned on a previous episode, there are so many gaming conventions happening at this time of year. By the time you hear this, it is September 30th, which means we're about a month behind from PAX Prime, which I chose not to go to, and the Boston Festival of Indie Games, which I did go to at MIT in Cambridge. I had a great time playing a bunch of indie games and looking forward to playing them further on my podcast dedicated to indie gaming, IndieCider.net. But more relevant to Polygamer are two other upcoming conventions. One is GX3, formerly known as GamerX, which will be held December 11th to the 13th in the San Jose Convention Center in California. I'm thrilled to announce that I will be attending GamerX. This will be my first time in the event's three years, although I have backed it all three years on Kickstarter. Not only that, but I'm honored to be moderating a panel called Unheard Voices, which is about diversity in gaming podcasting, why we do it, how we do it, and how you can get started. I'm honored to be joined on this panel by several other individuals who are renowned names in this space, including Tanya DePass from I Need Diverse Games and Fresh Out of Tokens, Sean Alexander Allen of New Challenger, one of the very first guests of Polygamer, and Anna Tarkov of Unconsolable. We're hoping to add additional guests to the lineup as well, so stay tuned. You can get your tickets for this event at GamerX.com. They are still on sale. If you want to hear more about GX3, which was announced after MatCon appeared on Polygamer, I refer you to the recent episode of the Less Than or Equal podcast on which he appeared, making him the very first guest to ever appear on both Polygamer and Less Than or Equal, although my inside scoop tells me there will be another such individual coming up in October. Unfortunately, going to GamerX meant that that was my one trip to the West Coast this year, and I had to pass on PAX Prime, and I'm especially regretful to miss the convention that is the subject of this week's Polygamer, that being Geek Girl Con. The fourth annual Geek Girl Con will be held October 10th to the 11th, 2015, in Seattle, Washington, and tickets are now on sale at geekgirlcon.com. As the name implies, this is a convention that, from their FAQ, works to empower women and girls to pursue their passions, whether they love science, technology, comics, literature, gaming, or anything else. Everybody is a geek at heart in one way or another. Our mission is to ensure all these geeks are supported, welcomed, and encouraged to pursue what they love. What makes this convention different from other events is their belief that conventions and conferences should include content for less represented identities and in their case they choose to focus on the contributions of women. Although I've never attended this event, I confess to a slight bias because Polygamer would not exist had I not been given the opportunity to host a podcast on sex, sexy, and sexism, fixing gender inequality in gaming at PAX East 2014. That is where all this got started. In fact, I originally conceived of Polygamer as a podcast all about feminism. So to know that there is a convention out there that is creating a safe space for women is just super exciting. Since their FAQ is so exhaustive as to how and why this convention exists, I refer you to that website, geekgirlcon.com FAQS, rather than have this week's guests retread that ground for us. I hope you enjoyed this week's interview. I certainly did. And if you do, feel free to let your friends know by emailing or tweeting them, following us on Twitter where our handle is GameBits, or on Facebook or Google+, Plus, where our handle is TV, or leaving a review in iTunes. There's so much that you can do to help advance causes such as Geek Girl Con, and I hope that if you are not able to attend the event, which you totally should, that you do whatever you can to get the word out about their event and the show. 
So thanks so much for listening. I look forward to bringing you more great interviews in future episodes of Polygamer. Today, I'm honored to be speaking with two representatives from Geek Girl Con, which is occurring this October 10th and 11th, 2015 in Seattle, Washington. Joining me, first of all, is the manager of gaming, Alyssa Jones. Hello, Alyssa. Hello. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you. Wonderful. And remind me, what does a manager of gaming do? Um, so I am kind of the ringleader for the entire game team. Um, I have an incredible staff of three others who work tirelessly to coordinate our tabletop hosts, our tournaments, and our RPGs, um, as well as all of the volunteer operations during the con. Um, because we are an all-volunteer organization, we do end up wearing many hats. So this year, I was lucky to also get my hands a little bit dirty and do the workshops and console gaming as well. Typically, my stuff is a little bit more high level. Um, I'm responsible for the overall game floor scope, securing sponsorship, and um, coordinating with other departments. All the boring stuff. (laughs) Doesn't sound boring at all. (laughs) And also on the line, we have the public relations manager for Geek Girl Con, Danielle Gall. Hello, Danielle. Hi, Ken. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? Good. (laughs) And how long have you been involved with Geek Girl Con? Um, I have been an attendee for two years, and I have been here for a month. Wow. And you just skipped right to the top of the corporate ladder, (laughs) public relations manager. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I I feel quite, quite accomplished as well. They are very lucky to have you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, happy to be here. <laughs> so I'll be speaking primarily with Alyssa today, but Danielle, feel free to jump in anytime. Of course. So Alyssa, how did you get involved with Geek Girl Con? Um, so the first time I ever heard about Geek Girl Con, I was actually attending a different convention. Um, and in the madness of the convention, forgot about it completely. And then the following January, one of my coworkers actually found some job listings for the game department. And forwarded them on to me and said, you know, I think that you would be really great for this. Um, so I applied. And um, that January 2012, I started on as the game floor coordinator for the second convention. Um, shortly after that con, um, the director of gaming retired um, and I took over for her and I've been there ever since. <laughs> so in your years in, of involvement with the event, how have you seen it change or grow? It's certainly gotten a lot bigger. We are starting to kind of branch out, get recognition outside of Seattle, which means we've gotten a lot more submissions. Every year we get more exhibitors, more panel submissions, um, more workshop submissions, which means we get to um, put a lot of thought into um, selecting our panels. Um, And in the end, I think that means more voices, more diversity, and an overall higher quality con. What is the expected attendance for this year? Oh, gosh. Um, that is a great question. We're actually expecting uh, probably around 5,000 people this year. Oh, that's a, that's, that's a good number. I've been to MAGFest, and that is, I think, about that size, maybe a little bit bigger or smaller. And I'm looking forward to going to my first Gamer X this year, but these are a very different scale from PAX, which is just a carnival. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm looking forward <laughs> to the more intimate experience of Gamer X. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like that's sort of the vibe you're going for as well, as far as scale goes. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, and I don't know if you're familiar with the show Community, but remember that episode where there was like the blanket fort versus the pillow fort? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, it's definitely a pillow fort sort of uh, philosophy, I think, behind Geek Girl Con, where we're really trying to create like a good, solid wall, comfy space. I like that. I, so attendees feel comfortable and safe. 
mm-hmm, comfortable and safe, and like the walls will not fall down with a paperclip. <laughs> <laughs> so, who would you say is the target audience for Geek Girl Con? Obviously, you want everybody who does come to be safe, but who do you want to come? So, our mission basically states that we celebrate the accomplishments of women and girls in all of our geeky fields. So really anyone who wants to celebrate that with us is welcome. We welcome people from all ranges of geekiness. (laughs) So no geek cred is required to participate. I don't need to show my geek card at the door? (laughs) No, you don't. In fact, um, yeah, some of us don't have it really. Our cards are are sad, to say the least. So, so yeah, so... (laughs) definitely for everyone who just wants to get involved. And so it's a nice starter con for people too. I think just the fact that you're attending an event called Geek Girl Con sort of establishes your cred right there. <laughs> Absolutely. So so that means that I can go to this event and nobody's going to bat an eye. A straight, white, cisgendered male is going to fit right in. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so how does that make it different from Gamer X? Because their mission is also to create a safe space. They started by focusing on the LGBT community and its allies, which is why the event was called Gamer X. Now they've rebranded as GX3 with the slogan, Gaming is for Everyone. So they too want to create a safe space. And you'll find Anita Sarkeesian and Zoe Quinn at Gamer X either this year or in past years. How is that different from Geek Girl Con? Um, I would say... Um, our focus still is on the accomplishments of women, and in that way, it does make it a little bit different. Um, but we do work very closely with Gamer X, or have before in the past. So I would say we do share a lot of our kind of core um, values. Um, I don't know, Daniel. Do you have anything to add? <laughs> no, actually, I think you said it perfectly. I think that I think all uh, conventions uh, who are sort of geared towards um, diversifying and inclusion, uh, you know, one of the things we're all striving to do is really continue to grow and and diversify and change who we are as an organization. And we're always growing. And I think because of that, you're going to see that shift occur. And so places like GamerX are going to start to shift. We're going to start to shift because we really are trying to create a truly uh, inclusive community. Uh, you know, because I think a lot of times if we sort of say like, oh, we're Geek Girl Con and this is only for girls. Well, then, you know, it really not only ostracizes some of our allies, but also people who are gender fluid or who are neuro or, you know, are intersex. And so there's really this whole spectrum of people who we really want to f- feel safe and welcome. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense to me. It sounds like a wonderful, inviting community. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. I've spoken with the founder of GamerX on this podcast, also most recently the founder of the Diversity Room or the Diversity Lounge at PAX, and I asked them if they've gotten any sort of criticisms or pushbacks from uh, elements of the gaming community who are not so inclusive. And the response seemed to be that those individuals don't seek out those spaces. Like if you create a safe space, then you're sort of saying that people who are not open to being inclusive are not welcome and they don't show up. And so you don't get a lot of harassment from troglodytes and the like at those events. Has that been the case at Geek Girl Con? Have you been successful at establishing a safe space or does every now and then somebody infiltrate your ranks? (laughs) Um, Honestly, over the years I've been, I've never seen anybody cause any trouble at the con. Um, One of the nice things about creating a community um, where you're really adamant about um, your values 
is that the community actually becomes self-regulatory. And so even if there was something, some off comment, I think our attendees would actually be super great at kind of shutting that down, um, being like, hey, this is a safe space. That's not cool here. Um, but for the most part, honestly, like we have seen a disproportionate amount of support and encouragement from all of our attendees, panelists, volunteers, everything. Um, so, yeah, it's it's been really great. <laughs> Right. Well, and also, you know, we're a celebration and so it it does attract a different sort of um, group. But also, you know, we do take the we do take things seriously and we do have a full security team that is trained and ready to go in case of anything. And that a response team, if somebody has a complaint or if they feel like they're being harassed or if they're feeling like the the space is no longer safe. Uh, We have a full team that is ready to respond to that and takes it really seriously. Even leading up to the event, looking on Twitter, maybe its algorithm is being selective of what it shows me, but looking at people who are talking about or to Geek Girl Con on Twitter, it all seems very encouraging and very supportive. Mm -hmm. Well, and also our social media team, if I can just give them a little shout out, they are wonderful at Uh, sort of recognizing when people are not being kind and supportive and really making sure that they report any kind of harassment to Twitter as well. So, you know, those types of things, like making sure that you report that kind of harassment is important as well. So I think that uh, they deserve a lot of of credit for also sort of being vigilant at making sure that that tag stays safe. So tell me a little bit about the programming, the lineup and the content of Geek Girl Con. One of my favorite elements of of any gaming convention are the panels and it sounds like you are going to have some great ones at this event what sort of panels might i find at geek girl con that i would be unlikely to find elsewhere um we've got a ton of stuff lined up specifically gaming ones um stuff that i'm really excited about is the um ladies who let's play um that would be i think a really unique take on the hugely popular let's play kind of phenomenon um, other panels, um, oh gosh, uh, related to gaming, there's going to be like a table, how to make a tabletop game, uh, workshops for kids that code. Um, I'm super biased towards all the gaming ones. Danielle, are there any ones that you can think of? Yes. Um, I'm actually really excited about the stuff this year. Uh, some of the things that things that I'm really excited about are, uh, the geek girl scouts, that are coming in. So the Girl Scouts of Western Washington are running their own table and they're going to be doing RPGs and running tabletops. And I think that's a really awesome um, thing to get to, to showcase. Uh, also, I think one of the things that you're going to see at Geek Girl Con that you maybe wouldn't see at another con would be panels that are specifically geared towards an audience that's open to the critical analysis of the media that we are actually consuming. So there's like diversity in speculative fiction and romance, and there's things about how not to be an NPC and what the difference between sexy and sexism is. And I think you're not going to see that at every con. So you mean at Geek Girl Con, I can actually talk about representations of women in games without people thinking I hate the games? Absolutely. (laughs) What a revelation. (laughs) Well, and you can also talk about things like, uh, you know, there's um, a focus on uh, queer representation. There's a focus on disability politics. There's, you know, so it's more than, and 
um, you know, and also there's just sort of silly things as well. Like, well, not silly, but awesome science things. Like there's going to be a, a panel on the poisons they use in Game of Thrones. So, you know, how you, how you get to engage in your media is pretty exciting with Geek Girl Con, I think. And that's an important thing to point out. I struggle with balancing on this podcast discussing both serious topics and fun topics because the reason we're into gaming is because it's fun. And Geek Girl Con has the full breadth and range. It's not always analyzing you know, diversity and speculative fiction. It's also like, what's great about media? Mm-hmm. Right. And one of the panels we have this year is actually how to engage and enjoy problematic media, which I'm actually really excited to see. That sounds awesome. Are these panels recorded and made available online at all? Oh, that's a dream. That's definitely a dream yeah. we have. Um, not this year, and hopefully in the future, it can be something that we can um, aspire to, because that would be wonderful to be able to share this kind of this kind of information, I think. Right, because even just now when I was looking at tweets aimed at you, there were a few individuals saying that they would love to attend the event, but travel is difficult. And that's the case for me as well. I was able to make one West Coast trip this year, and I chose to go to Gamer X, which is going to be this December. And I would love to go to Geek Girl Con as well, but in lieu of that, I would love to see the panels on YouTube. I know how hard that can be. I used to be responsible for recording all the media at a different convention that was in Kansas City. And it mm-hmm. just, it's so easy to fall behind on editing and producing these films. It's not just click record and then click upload. Right. And even if it was, you still have to get all the equipment and get people to uh, run it. Absolutely. Well, and one of the things, um, I don't know if uh, you know this about our organization, but we are 100% volunteer run. So, you know, uh, Alicia has a, a full-time job outside of this. I have a full-time job outside of this. We're all doing this because it's a, a part of our hearts. And um, yeah, and it's a, it's a pretty big con to put on as, as, as a volunteer. Wow. So even with as highfalutin a title as public relations manager, that's still just a volunteer position? That is 100% volunteer. Wow. You must be a very busy person. <laughs> <laughs> well, you should talk to Alicia. She's really, really busy. And our executive director. Board of directors, everyone, we're all free. We are all 100% free. You mentioned Game of Thrones and speculative fiction. It's also worth emphasizing that Geek Girl Con, it's not Gaming Girl Con, it's Geek Girl Con. So you discuss all matters of sci-fi and fantasy, not just gaming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've got everything that you could ever want in the geekdom. Um, gaming, obviously, we've got um, STEM, uh, comic books, um popular media, anything that you love as a geek, we all love too. And we want to make sure that um, Archon represents the geekdom. It almost sounds like what Comic-Con has grown into. It's beyond just the name of comics. It's all aspects of geekdom. And I understand that's even where the idea for Geek Girl Con originated was at the 2010 Comic-Con, I think. That's right. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Except, of course, Comic-Con is its own sort of carnival as i mentioned with hundreds of thousands of attendees i don't know that i would ever want to go to that event oh well then can i tell you a little bit about our introvert alley Ooh, yes please yes we actually have a space um that is just for people to sort of decon for a little bit um where it's quiet it's a space just to to sort of take a take some downtime so we call that the introvert alley we also have a family room where people can go with their kids and just relax for a little while in there there it's breastfeeding friendly you know and we have a diy science zone that's really great to be able to take families to um, and young children as well because it's hands-on and it's you know it's it's nice for people that also aren't wanting necessarily to go for panels and things like that and just experience sort of 
the carnival that is like getting to see people in cosplay and things like that as well. So I've taken my five and two-year-old every year so. The Introvert Alley sounds like a subset of the AFK room that I've seen at other conventions. You're familiar with those? I am not, are you? I haven't, no. Oh, they're run by this wonderful organization called Take This. Mm -hmm. Uh, They are a nonprofit uh, charged with the mission of advocating for uh, mental health in the gaming industry and bringing out into the open the mental health issues, which can be found in any industry, but which gamers may have unique opportunities to address through the media of gaming. Mm-hmm. That sounds fantastic. Yeah, I, I highly recommend them. You can find their website at takethis.org, and there will be a link in the show notes. I believe that they represent themselves at every single PAX around the world, and as their organization grows, I would love to see them at additional cons as well. Definitely. That sounds, it sounds like it'd be a great fit. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that'd be wonderful. You mentioned a lot of the stuff that the con has to offer. There are some I want to mention specifically, but since we have the manager of gaming here, tell us about the show floor. Like, is this sort of a console free play where people can sit down and play games, or is it more of an exhibitor area where publishers and developers show off upcoming games? So the game floor um, is has three different main elements. It's our console gaming, our tabletop gaming, and our workshops. Um, I'll start. So tabletop gaming, we invite a bunch of local gaming companies to come and actually teach people how to play their games. Um, That can be games that have already come out and games that have um, yet to be released. Um, We actually this year have a huge playtesting section where con attendees can go and check out games that have not yet been published and kind of provide feedback and help in the development of these new games. We also have a tabletop, a... um, checkout zone with just a massive amount of board games. Um, some of them provided by Mox Boarding House, um, where people can check them out. We'll have a lot of free play space for people. Um, uh, we have RPGs with Andy, which is a fantastic experience. That everyone sh- at the con should try at least once, um, especially if you're new to RPGs. Um, our console gaming area is going to be a little bit different than we've done in the past years. Um, We want to really encourage community. And so what we're going to try to do is have more um, like a curated experience where we work together in order to try to accomplish a goal. So, for example, we'll have a Super Smash group activity (laughs) where everyone tries to work together to be like a level nine NPC or something Um, instead of kind of because console gaming can be a little bit isolating. So we're trying to really make it a group community event. And then last workshops, we have um, a lot of really cool ones. I mentioned the um, teaching kids how to code workshop that'll be running all con long in our lower level one room. Um, And that'll take kids and and adults um, through a process of coding without actually using any computers. Um, It'll be a really fun kind of experiment for people. Um, And then we've also got our paint and take um, from Privateer Press, they'll be supplying us a bunch of miniatures and teaching people how to paint miniatures. Um, I think that's everything. We've got a couple tournaments, but um, I've already went on for a really long time. So, <laughs> how does one code without computers? Um, so it's a cool company called Color Code um, by Phenomenon Media. They, um, as far as I can understand, I haven't gotten my hands on it quite yet, but they've got strips of paper that represent different commands. And kids can kind of rearrange them and order them, and they will um, kind of replicate what that would 
look like on screen. Um, it's really cool. They really gamified it. It takes only about 20 minutes to run through. And at the end of it, you'll have like a shell of a website built. Wow, that is that's a lot of fun. This really is a family friendly environment. I mean, you could, if you're new to coding, that sounds like a fun way to learn. Or if you just mm -hmm. want to introduce kids to the concepts, that w would also be a great way. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Yeah, that's one thing I haven't seen a lot of at the larger conventions I've gone to is families. There are a few, like a dad will bring his daughter and sometimes she'll be dressed up as a little Princess Leia or something. <laughs> but in, on the whole, it's not really a family event. Boston Fig, the Boston Festival of Indie Games, that's an exception. That's a very family-friendly environment because all, uh, all the kids love to get their hands on the games and mm -hmm. that's mostly what the event is. But uh, stuff like PAX and even MAGFest seems to be geared for ages 18 and up. Absolutely. Um, and I will just say that you will see the cutest cosplay of little kids at Geek Girl Con than at any other con. I guarantee it. <laughs> I can't wait to see the photo gallery. <laughs> yeah, actually, the year before last, we had a stroller. Somebody had a stroller that was um, was geared up so it actually looked like a, a spaceship. It was, it was very cool. I love cosplay. I love it when they take so much time to get all the details just right. And it really pays off when they show up at the event. Mm -hmm. Just looking at your tweets right now, I think I noticed that Emma Bell, who is a cosplayer out of Vancouver and who's been on this podcast, is going to be at Geek Girl Con. And that itself is almost reason for me to go. I, I wish I could. <laughs> well, we would love to have you. <laughs> Thank you. I hope to make it there another day. Mm -hmm. I didn't hear you mention one, a couple of the offerings this year that sound really fascinating. One is called the Geek Girl Connections Rooms. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me about that? Absolutely. So, um, actually, Connections is one of my favorite places in the con. Um, it's a place where we can connect our attendees with um, representatives from different industries and universities um, in hopes to create kind of mentorship opportunities. In a way, it's a little bit like a career fair um, where there'll be folks that we can network with, get career advice, get some resume pointers even. Um, and this year we have a really cool lineup. There'll be folks from NASA, from Real Girls, from F5 Networks and Girl Scouts. Uh, it's going to be a really great place. Yeah, looking at the lineup on the website, you have the ACLU, First Robotics, Mm -hmm. uh, the Living Computer Museum, which is great. I have, an, I have a relationship with them for another entity I represent, Juice GS. Uh, what is, since that's a special uh, interest of mine, Living Computer Museum, what is the appeal of bringing them to GeekGirlCon? Because they focus on really old computers. And if this is a family-friendly event, these computers might be older than your attendees. That's true. <laughs> I think wherever industry you end up with, knowing the history of that industry is super important and can really help spark an interest. So, um, and who knows, maybe like the career fair is not just for young people starting out their careers, right? It's for people who have maybe been in the industry and are looking for a change or looking for the next step. So it really ranges for the range is wide. <laughs> Uh, does that does that answer your question? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I start off, I'm an adjunct faculty professor, and I teach my students the very first two weeks about the history of computers and the internet, because mm -hmm. even though they're not historians, I want them to know that there's a reason things became the way they are. We didn't just roll out of bed one morning and have the internet. Mm -hmm. you know, and uh, uh, the opposite end of that extreme, though, is the spectacle of the... Uh, kids React video. There was one about a year ago where they showed kids an Apple II computer from the early 80s. 
<laughs> and uh, I mean, I love the Apple II, but on one hand, I think it was sort of torture to just throw kids at this without any context or instruction and have them hope to figure out how to work it. Uh-huh. Made for a fun video, but I'm not <laughs> sure the kids really appreciated it like they should have. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Uh, Geek Girl Connections, that sounds awesome. I also understand this year, first time ever, not just a cosplay competition, but also a fashion show. Mm-hmm. Tell me about the fashion show. Um, so this is our first annual fashion show, um, and it's in conjunction with uh, Espionage Cosmetics and the Pacific Northwest Fatitude. Um, and it's our goal is to highlight how empowering it is to kind of have geeky fashion. Um, it's going to be really cool. There's going to be tons of swag. Um, people, the first 100 people will get a swag bag with stuff from her universe, think geek, insert coin clothing, like a whole bunch of stuff. And, um, and then there'll also be raffle tickets for a grand prize at the end. Yeah. Uh, it's one thing I did want to mention, actually, it's uh, like everything we do, we are trying to represent a lot of different people in this. So it'll be very diverse very inclusive um, because that's kind of one of our core values. And so what exactly does that mean in the context of a fashion show? Does that mean having fall, winter, spring, and autumn outfits? (laughs) Uh, I think it means more like the folks that are going to be in it will be different ethnicity, different sizes, different gender identities, et cetera, et cetera. I think especially the, uh, different sizes is important because I don't think that's something you see at these catwalks that a lot of uh, mm-hmm. fashion creators and dictators like to put on. Yeah, we won't have any actual models. They'll all be volunteers. So it, we're, our, our hope is that everyone up there will represent somebody in our audience. I'm curious about the fashion show because this goes back, I think, to what was stated earlier in the show about the difference between sexy and sexism. There is a important movement across all conventions to for attendees to understand that cosplay is not consent. And the Geek Girl Con's code of contact expands that to say attire is not consent, which is very important. I'm sure that there are some people who may be confused to say, well, wait, if, if we're supposed to be looking beyond the surface into more of the substance and appreciate people for who they are on the inside, what is... How does that jive with having a fashion show which celebrates superficiality? Now, again, this is not my perspective, but I'm I'm sure there are critics out there, or at least people who are confused, who are trying to reconcile attire is not consent, and at the same time, a fashion show. Mm-hmm. Is that something you can speak to? Or am I being a little bit too provocative? Yeah, I'll let the PR person take that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'd love to take that one. Um, actually, I think that... Um, And I understand that sometimes people do get confused that uh, women and people in general are complex characters, Uh, you know, because we are, you know, I like to to wear uh, a good a good set of lipsticks. uh, But at the same time, I also want to work on the computer and do coding for fun. Uh, So, you know, it's, it's just I think it just goes a little bit into the idea that, you know, all people are. This is a provocative question. Let me see if I can word it right. Um, I think one of the things that I would probably say about our fashion show uh, is that, you know, we're trying to say that it is an inclusive event because it may seem like something that's superficial, but the thing is that being geeky and being into your brain doesn't mean that you can't also be into having awesome gear that showcases your fandom. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, I think so. And this extends beyond just, of course, a fashion show, because I've read some wonderful articles, including by Maddie Myers, that suggest that the gaming industry has an implied dress code, where if you're not dressed like a guy, then you're going to stand out and you're going to get some unwanted attention. So I've read uh, stories from women who feel that they need to go to a con dressed in jeans and a t-shirt, even though that's not what they usually wear, because they want to fit in. And I think it sounds right, like it right. sounds like your fashion show is sort of trying to address that. Well, yeah, and also you know we you know we can rock some polka dots and still be excited about excited about geekness. I think, and 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 I think maybe that is is something that we as being part of Geek Girl Con we have that freedom to do too, because fitting in at Geek Girl Con is a lot easier because <laughs> we're inclusive. Which is wonderful, and I think a lot of places may think they're inclusive, but they don't go to the lengths of having an excellent code of conduct like yours, like you do, or even having any code of conduct at all, and then following through with that at the event by having events like these and all the safe spaces you've created. I mean, obviously the event itself is a safe space, but you go out of your way to also have the introvert alley and places like that, which is wonderful. Mm-hmm. As long as we're on adversarial subjects... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm, I am curious about some of the panels, not any one in particular, but there was a great article that Anna McGill tweeted recently about how conventions need to move beyond having just diversity panels like women in games or you know ethnicity in science fiction and the like. And I understand her point, and I think sort of these feminism and diversity 101 topics are still important at more... Uh, broader focused events like PAX, but Geek Girl Con has the opportunity to go deeper. So what is the need for 101 panels? Like if somebody's attending their first Geek Girl Con, is there still a need for them to attend? Would they still benefit from going to, say, a women in gaming event, or have we moved beyond that and we're ready to talk about something else now? Um, I would say that there's absolutely a benefit for those things. Um, When I first heard about Geek Girl Con, like what what drew me to it was its geekiness, not necessarily any of the like social issues. Um, and honestly, I really wasn't familiar with the the misogyny and the issues of diversity that are in the gaming industry. Um, and so I really benefited from those panels, even though I had been gaming my whole life. Um, so I would say there's still, there's still a need for those kind of entry level things. And then we kind of try to move past that. And then we're on, we're like the fast track, I guess you do your one-on-one and then you've got the rest of the con to kind of go deeper and deeper. And I noticed that one of the ways you're going deeper this year is by pushing for intersectionality. Can you give us a brief primer on what that means? Yeah. So our strategy for that is, is one first to be like super clear that intersectionality is a big factor in, um, who we are, like one of our core values is we are the world. Um, so inclusivity is part of is part of who we are. Um, and then two, we proactively try to seek out um, specific groups or organizations that offer unique points of view, kind of like uh, able gamers or black girl nerds, um, and reach out to them and, and try to encourage them to to have a represent representation at our convention. Um, and then we, last, we take all of the feedback that we get from our panelists and attendees um, very seriously and try to work to, to uh, um, continue to include intersectionality as one of the big things. 
do you reach out to these organizations to come to Geek Girl Con, or do you put out an open call and they approach you? Um, a little bit of both. Um, we've got a lot of connections. Our social media team is really great about reaching out and making connections and starting conversations. Um, and then we kind of have our big open submission. And and <laughs> if we see a couple people missing, we might ping them. But uh Right. And also, um, just to piggyback on what Alyssa was saying in terms of that, um, when we see something missing, if, especially with the feedback that we get from our attendees and our panelists and our community, whenever they say, hey, you know, we really were missing this, or this was something that was overrepresented or underrepresented and things like that, that's an opportunity for us to really strive to to grow and to change. And that's where we can say, Hey, let's, let's really like focus our attentions on making sure that we're filling these gaps. And so the community itself is really important in terms of changing and, um, and making the, the space and the, the panels more diverse and exciting. It sounds like geek girl con is very responsive to attendee feedback. Definitely. Mm hmm. Yeah, I'll say I'll say that for sure too. Um, I know that when I was first hired on, I, that was the first thing I went through was all of the uh, attendees' suggestions because I feel like that's where you can really sort of start to be reflective. Because a lot of times when you're you're in an event and you're doing the event, uh, you know, you only see what you're doing and you don't necessarily see those things that you don't know you have blinders for. And so I think that that. Um, you know, it's a great way for them to help us as well. How do you go about soliciting that feedback? Do you have a post-event survey that attendees can fill out? We do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, also, I know that uh, one of them was the one that, and, and Alyssa, correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm doing this as a as somebody who was an attendee, is that people came up to us after the con and asked us questions during the con as well mm -hmm. um so we did have that um because i know that um i know someone came up to i was cosplaying at the time with my daughter and yeah somebody came up and asked us for our feedback and they wanted some information on how to make the con more family friendly who were you cosplaying as i was effie trinket and my daughter was katniss everdeen oh may i ask how old she is She's five. She was four at the time. So oh my she was a very tiny and very crabby Katniss. This sounds adorable. <laughs> it was adorable because she scowls all the time. So it was kind of the perfect costume for her anyway. <laughs> the would be like, could you smile? And, I would, and she would be like, no, that's not my character. <laughs> it's true, though. She doesn't smile. Exactly. Mm -hmm. She took that very seriously. What a good little cosplayer. Oh, she was great at it. Yeah, this year I think there's probably going to be a little Elsa and Anna action. There may be some Greek goddesses. Oh my gosh. <laughs> wow. So I was right. You are a very busy person. <laughs> so I still am curious about the diversity panels because there are individuals who suggest that simply attending PAX validates it when it doesn't need that and speaking at it is even worse. But I justify going to PAX by doing panels on equality and diversity and saying this is the audience that needs to hear this based on other incidences that have occurred at PAX. Geek Girl Con, though, and this is the same issue I face with this podcast, I sometimes feel like I'm preaching to the choir. People who are listening to this show are already on our side. We're all, they're already allies. So who is the audience for diversity panels at Geek Girl Con? Do you feel like you're preaching to the choir? Um, I, again, I would say that one of our main draws is kind of just our geekiness. 
Um, and again, like when I first heard about Geek Girl Con, wasn't really into the social justice aspect of it at all. Um, so I think that um, in a sense, there we are kind of helping to inform a new group of people. Um, and it is such a safe place that people will hopefully bring friends and those friends aren't necessarily in on, on all the issues that we're trying to um, bring light to. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and also if I can piggyback on um, what Alyssa was saying is I think that one of the benefits of diversity panels, uh, you know, obviously in other cons and then with Geek Girl Con, like, you know, thinking about preaching to the choir, um, I think just by existing, so things like GX3 and Geek Girl Con, um, one of the things is that just by existing, we are changing the culture of other cons. Uh, because, you know, because we are here and we're, we're being fully inclusive versus utilizing a type of tokenism, uh, I think that you can sort of say like, oh, well, this is working for them. They're selling out every year. Um, and so cons that are there for profit are going to be able to say, well, you know, obviously this is a demographic that we're not hitting. This is, uh, you know, something, somebody who we're not selling to. Let's see what we can do to bring them into our convention. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. You're setting an example. It was the same thing with that Kansas City convention that I mentioned. I was attending for 18 years in a row, and they never once had a code of conduct because their philosophy was, we've never had a problem before. We don't need one. We don't want to post one and have people think that there was a reason why we needed to post it. But mm-hmm. you know, I finally convinced them, or I think I was a small voice in a larger conversation, that it's not just about having a code of conduct for your specific event. It's about picking sides and joining the side of conventions that say, collectively, this is not tolerated at any convention, and we want to set the example. Yeah, that's a, that's a great way to put it, because it is. It's about, it's, it is about leading by example, because if we want to be um, celebratory and we want representation to look different than it does in, current, in the current culture, we have to sort of model what we want that to be. And so, hey, what better way than to put on your own convention that's totally awesome? Exactly. Now, <laughs> now, let's say that I'm not a social justice warrior. I'm just a gamer. I love my games. I want to go hang out with some other gamers. Can I go to Geek Girl Con and just cosplay, play some games, hang out, and not get any of this diversity crap shoved down my throat? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I would say you probably could. Um, you know... There, you're going to see it because it's in our programming booklet, um, like first page, you know, what these are our expectations of you as an attendee. But I mean, if you're just there to have fun, we've got so much stuff for you. We've got the paint and tape. We've got free play. We've got console gaming. Like there's the DIY science zone where you can go and do fun little science experiments. Like there's so much stuff that is f- just purely for fun that if you want to put your blinders on and not see any of that stuff, you, you, you could still have a good time. Right. Awesome. Well, and I, th- I, I venture to say that social justice warriorness is just like, you know, we get to, this is fun. Like doing all of this is just, it's awesome. It's not necessarily um, a political thing to be able to walk into a space that feels safe. Like that's just, that's just a nice feeling for anybody. So you can mm-hmm. be a cisgendered white male coming in and playing your games and you're going to have an awesome time. You're also going to see some people who don't look like you, which will mean that you have a more awesome time because you'll get some new perspectives. Mm-hmm. Exactly. If you really do go to this convention with your blinders on, you're missing out on half the fun. Mm-hmm, exactly. Which is that diversity is awesome. Mm-hmm. 
and there's so much diversity in your program and in your lineup. I'm surprised you're able to cram it all into just two days. Have you thought about expanding? Um, there's always talk about it. Um, we'll see. I can't say anything officially. There's pros and cons to doing it two days and three days, but uh, it's always part of the discussion. Just being a full, fully run volunteer organization, um, expansion has to be really um, careful and measured because we, we can't go beyond this, the uh, abilities of really all of our volunteers. At a certain point, when you want to talk about expansion, you also have to talk about the resources that are available and expanding those resources. And that can mean hiking up the price on tickets, which can make it not as safe a space because you want to invite financial diversity too. You want to make the con affordable. Mm-hmm. And we, we are a screaming deal, Ken. It's only $45 for two days. Mm-hmm. And tickets are still on sale. This is one of those things where you have to be sitting at your computer the five minutes they go on sale. <laughs> exactly. They are still on sale, but we are expecting to sell out. So get them now. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yes. Another form of expansion, I assume this is falls under the same umbrella as a longer con, is also different locations, having like Geek Girl Con East and West or Geek Girl Con Spring and Fall. Is that something that you've also discussed internally? I think it, it, it is for sure. I am, we're probably a little ways away from that. I think if, if we're going to expand space-wise, um, we would probably first start to grow within the Seattle Conference Room or Center. I, that's all I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think we can we can all pipe dream, but really, like we don't we probably don't have the bandwidth at this point to be able to expand on that level. However, you know, I'm sure if there's a, a Geek Girl Con East that would like to participate in a conversation, we would be happy to have that conversation. Well, I would be happy to nominate Boston. It looks like we're not going to be hosting the Olympics after all, so we have some space. <laughs> Well, you tell those 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 uh, geek girl cons of, of Boston to to give us a call, and mm-hmm. if nothing else, we can give them some guidelines. Well, next time I attend the monthly Women in Games Boston meetup, I will be sure to bring that up. Awesome. So, as I mentioned, your website has a ton of great resources: the FAQ, the Code of Conduct, and regular blog posts about things that are going to be happening at the event coming up. One thing I found on your website, which in my limited experience is somewhat unusual, is a full staff directory with headshots and bios. For example, I can name three people who are associated with PAX. PAX has so many people involved with it that maybe they just figure it's not even worth mentioning who they are. And same thing with MAGFest, to be honest. I'm not really sure who runs MAGFest, but Geek Girl Con, I can, if I want to, name every one of you and go to the con and identify you and say like, Oh my God, you're Danielle Gall. I saw you on the website. You're amazing. <laughs> and yet in nowadays on the internet, especially in the last year or so, a lot of people have come to understand the value of privacy and anonymity. And so I'm curious about what the thought process was that went into deciding to create this online staff directory and what you thought the benefit to doing so might be. That's a really great question. It's actually not something I have thought about before. Um, I guess I would say that uh, we we kind of want our, our attendees to know who we are. Um, we want them to know that we do represent them and that we're proud of our geekiness, right? We want to raise that flag and be proud. Um, and we also want to create community with them. Um, we are 100% volunteer. Um, and so I think it's really important that they know who we are, um, while still hopefully protecting our, our, our staff. 
Yeah, no, I think that makes, you, you, you put it perfectly. Is that, yeah, you know, it's something that, um, this is a celebration, like Geek Girl Con is a, as a celebration. Uh, we're not, you know, we're not, um, we're not a LLC. We are a 501c3. And so, um, one of the ways that I think that we hold ourselves accountable and um, form that community is by being very transparent. And obviously this is one of the ways that we are, is that this is who we are. This is what we're doing. And if you don't see yourself represented on that staff page, then, Hey, give us a, give us a shout out and let's see what we can do to change that. Awesome. I like that. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot going on at Geek Girl Con, a lot of different elements to it, but it is about the fun. And I want to know what each of you is looking forward to the most about Geek Girl Con, whether it's a specific panel, a game that you want to play, whether it's an upcoming game, or just getting to hang with your homies and play Magic the Gathering. What what what, what are you looking forward to? Um, Two things. One, that moment where I realize everything on the floor is okay and we're going to be okay and all the <laughs> hard work is, is come to fruition, I guess to say. Um, but as, as far as an event, there's actually um, a panel coming up called um, The Couple That Games Together. Um, and it's about how gaming can be a really positive, um, have a positive effect on your um, relationships. And that especially rings true to me because I actually met my fiance in World of Warcraft. Oh, and- congratulations. <laughs> Thanks. Um, and uh, Gaming really kept us together. So I'm really excited to see that, meet some new gaming couples, um, and maybe learn some cool games to play. Yeah, the gaming as a couple is something that I've seen discussed at other panels that uh, Tifa Robles or Susan Arndt were on. And it's also something I discussed on this podcast with Alisa Melendez. I don't know if any of them are going to be at your event, but Tifa Robles yeah. of the Lady Planeswalker Society is certainly in your neighborhood. Yeah, but she's actually the... Um, well, her and her husband will be on the panel. Ah, wonderful. They are excellent speakers. I can't recommend them enough. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, and at least from, from my point of view, I'm just really excited to get to participate in the con, obviously from a different side of it. But um, I love, love, love the DIY science zone. I, it's so much fun. And getting to see, um, and it's not just for kids, it's for grownups too, uh, getting to participate in hands-on science while you're at the con um, and sort of, Getting to participate in that way, I think, is a really rich experience, and I think it's great to be able to see uh, female scientists who are running these types of things. And um, yeah, and I, of course, I always love seeing the cosplay because it's just—it's so much fun to be able to see what people come up with and how creative people are. Like last year, I saw a woman who was dressed as the Impala from Supernatural, and she had just took it into a really impressive way because she was dressed like a car, but. She wasn't dressed like a car. And so it was just all of her details were just spot on. It was so it it was really impressive. But for someone who has less talent than that, like me, I can just go in my jeans and T-shirt and have a good time. (laughs) Yeah, you can go in your jeans and T-shirt. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe not be in the fashion show, but. (laughs) (laughs) But you could probably find something that you would like to get when you're at the fashion show. Mm -hmm. Oh, gosh, I hadn't thought of that. And I promise you we're going to have some awesome pictures of the fashion show so that you will be able to, to see everything that was, um, that was showcased so that you can really get a, a good visual for it. So hopefully we'll, we'll get some good coverage from press on that so that it will be everywhere and everyone will be able to see how wonderful uh, geek fashion can really be. Mm-hmm. Good, because my closet could use an overhaul. <laughs> 
You know, un- unfortunately, in that sense, I fit the stereotype of a geek, and uh, I-, I need something besides just jeans and t-shirts to wear. Hey, don't be dissing on jeans and t-shirt. Those, those are that is there's a un- it's a uniform for a reason. It can be a really solid wardrobe choice. There's also a reason why this is an audio podcast instead of video. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not feeling my prettiest today. I'm sure you two would put the smack down on me, but. <laughs> Awesome. So Geek Girl Con is October 10th to the 11th, 2015 in Seattle, Washington. Tickets are on sale now on the event's website at geekgirlcon.com. Is there anything else you two would like to chat about before we wrap up? I think I'm good, but thank you so much for having us on the show today, Ken. Yeah. Do either of you have Twitter handles you want to share with our listeners? Sure. Um, You can follow me at at ListDJones. It's (laughs) L-Y-S-S-D-Jones. I never tweet. I'm so boring. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. What was your handle? I don't. I don't tweet. Yeah. Oh. So I. I mean, I have a handle. It's just my name, Danielle Gall. But you'll never see anything on it, which is very sad. I'm on Tumblr all the time, and I ain't giving that information out. <laughs> Fascinating that the director of public relations would not be on active on Twitter. No, no, I'm on active on Tumblr, but not on Twitter. So, do you have somebody else running the Geek Girl Con Twitter account? Uh, yeah, actually, we have a full social media. The team that takes care of all of the social media aspect because it'd be too much for one person to be able to take on. So we actually have, is it two or three people who run social media? I think it's just two right now. Two right now. Yeah. One of the benefits of having such a wide and diverse and supportive cast and crew is you get to delegate. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Everybody gets to do their one thing really well. Wonderful. Well, Alyssa Jones, Manager of Gaming, and Danielle Gall, Public Relations Manager for Geek Girl Con. I've enjoyed the last hour. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. And I hope the con is a great success. Thanks. This has been Polygamer, a GameBits production. Find more episodes, read our blog, or send feedback at polygamer.net. I was telling somebody I was going to be interviewing Alyssa Jones, and they said, oh, from Chasing Amy? <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, I saw the movie once 20 years ago. I didn't get the reference, but then I thought, I, I'm sure she hears that all the time. Yep, yep. Someday, I will pass her and Google. I will. I'll be the first result. <laughs> <laughs> you go, girl. That's the dream. Live the dream. That's right. <laughs>